Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody this morning, and um, I pray that as we enter into God's word, that God would show us the truth and help us to be devoted to the word that he shares with us this morning. So uh, over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be devoted to the Word of God, uh, devoted to the Word of God, and today we are going to be talking about what it means for the Word of God to be trustworthy. So in First Tim- 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 14 through verse 17, that's where we'll be this morning. Paul has just been encouraging Timothy to, in a world that is increasingly resistant to the word of God, in a world that is increasingly resistant to the scriptures that Timothy has learned in his childhood, Paul wants Timothy to be devoted to the word. And so Paul has just contrasted uh, in the previous chapters a lifestyle that is consistent with the word of God and a lifestyle that is not consistent with the word of God. He contrasts what it means to be a teacher of the truth with what it means to be a false teacher. And Paul upholds uh, his own life to Timothy as a life that is full of teaching about the truth that is from scripture. So Paul says to Timothy that he is an honorable vessel. Pastor Brandon preached about that last time. And what it means from his conduct and his suffering and his persecution for his faith and his aim and his purpose in life, Paul points to all these things and tells Timothy, Timothy, look at my life. I am an honorable vessel that speaks the truth, not a false teacher that speaks lies, upholding the scriptures that Timothy has heard from Paul and also heard from his grandmother and his mother. And so Paul enters into this section that we're in in first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verse 14, and says, but as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I'll read that again. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. See, Paul has just painted this picture for Timothy in the end of chapter 2 of teachers who are false, who will continue in their progression towards that falsehood. So he shares with them and he says that those false teachers will continue to be captured by the snare of the devil. And he continues to share with him that these false teachers are not just gonna stay in that place, they're gonna continue to progress into that false teaching. And it's ignorant and it's foolish, Paul tells Timothy. And he wants Timothy to do something different. Instead of progressing to a place where the devil is, Paul says to Timothy, I want you to stand firm. Stand 
firm. You, however, have followed my teaching and my conduct, but stand firm. Continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing who you have learned it from. So I want you to imagine and think of somebody who you have learned the gospel from. It might be a parent, it might be a teacher, it could be a friend, but just think for a moment for somebody who was very faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ and shared that with you either so that you could come to faith in Jesus Christ or so that you could become mature as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus Christ. Does everybody have either somebody in mind? Now, Paul says to Timothy that one of the reasons you can be devoted to the word of God is because of the faithfulness of the person who shared that gospel with you. So think of a person who was not only on fire for Jesus and shared the gospel with you, but when you looked at their life, you saw faithfulness and devotion to the word of God, not just in their word, but in their action and their conduct. And Paul says, in a world that is increasingly telling you not to be devoted to the word of God, think of the faithfulness and the integrity of the person who shared the gospel with you or the person who has brought you to a place of maturity in the faith. Paul says, trust that person's witness. In the case of Timothy, it's Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother. For me, in my personal life, it's been my mother and my father, but also there's someone else in my life who I look at and I say, you know what, I can be devoted to the word of God because I trust this person's conduct. I'll show a picture here. It's a picture of a missionary. Her name is Nancy Lee. Nancy Lee is an African-American missionary who came to Nigeria when I was really, really small, so about my kid's age. And Nancy Lee, we used to call her Auntie Nancy back then, but now we call her Mama Nancy because she's well up in years. But the thing that we loved about her is that not only did she teach us the Bible, her life was also exemplifying the gospel. And even to this day, like she checks in on me, sends me messages, tries to make sure that I'm living a life that is worthy of God's calling. This is a picture of us in 2019. She visited Houston and she came by our house to just check in on me and my family and to see how we were doing. But still, I remember just the encouragement and faith that she always gave to us as little boys and girls in Nigeria, learning about faith in Jesus Christ. And when I think about like the trustworthiness of the word of God, yes, the word of God is trustworthy in and of itself. But for me, I can be devoted to the word of God because of the faithfulness of Mama Nancy Lee. She's a person that I trust. She's a person who is wholly devoted to the gospel, not just in the words that she speaks, but also in her life and in her conduct. And that's the same encouragement Paul gives to Timothy in our passage today that Timothy can be devoted to the sacred writings and teachings. He can continue in them and firmly believe them because he knows who he has learned it from. He hasn't learned it from people who are false teachers. Timothy has not learned it from people who will say one thing and then live a different way. Timothy has learned the word of God 
It's trustworthiness from people who are themselves trustworthy. And Paul says to Timothy, you can trust the word of God. You can be devoted to the word of God. You can stay and continue in the word of God because you can trust the people who have shared it with you. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, church. That's very convicting for me because sometimes in my life, I don't live by the same morals that I preach. And so it's convicting for us to think that people can be devoted to the word of God just because they are devoted to the witness that we share. The word of God is in and of itself powerful. But those who witness to the word of God are also a powerful witness. So in your life and in your conduct, in your speech, are you a person who someone can look at and say, you know what, I'm not 100% sold on this message yet, but I know the messenger. I'm not 100% sold on this message, but the messenger is trustworthy. And because the messenger is trustworthy, I'm going to trust that they're not giving me bad advice. I'm going to trust that they're not giving me bad news, but they're really giving me the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So that's one way that we can be sure about the word of God is by the words witness, faithful witnesses who bring the word of God to us and who we can trust. Because this word that they bring is powerful and is able to make us wise for salvation. Those are the things that Paul says about the witness of the word of God. So we can believe the word of God we can stay devoted to the word of God because of the faithful witness of the messengers of the word of God. Paul continues in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and he highlights another reason why we can be devoted and should be devoted to the word of God. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we'll take verse uh, 16 first. So the second reason that Paul gives in this passage for why we can be devoted to the word of God is the source of the word of God. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. Some translations might say all scripture is inspired by God. What he means by that is saying that all scripture has its source in God. God is the origin of the words that we read in scripture. And because God is the origin, we can trust that scripture is real, that scripture is true, because we trust its source. Its source is God, a God who is loving, a God who is good, a God who from the creation of the world has loved us and only wants the best for us. A God who pursues us even though we are sinful. And a God who gives us revelation not just in the creation around us and in the person of Jesus Christ, but also in the words of Scripture. There is a special revelation that God gives through the Scriptures. And God is the origin and the source of the Scriptures. And so you can be devoted with your whole life to the Scriptures because you know who has spoken the scriptures to you, faithful witnesses who you can trust, but also because you know the source of the scriptures. And so when you read in scripture and you read the words of God asking us to flee immorality and to flee evil, 
we know that the source of that scripture is good. God is good and God wants good things for us. And that's why he gives us the scriptures to guide us and to direct us. We can trust that our God is not a God who is a father who will give us gifts that are not good. But he gives us scripture, words, stories. He gives us laws. He gives us poems, all of scripture that can really point us to a place where we can become like Christ. And God does this because he is good. And we can trust that the source of our scriptures is good. There's another thing that Paul highlights here. He doesn't just say some scriptures are God-breathed, right? He says all scripture is God-breathed. So all scripture, all the books in the Bible, Paul says are God-breathed. And I want to ask him and be like, are you sure even books like Leviticus and Numbers, those really hard books to read, are they God-breathed? Or the books that we would call maybe the prophets, some of those prophets who have like very, very hard messages to decipher. But Paul says all of Scripture is God-breathed. And you can be devoted to all of Scripture because you can trust its source. God is good and God is the source of all of Scripture. And so don't just skip past the book of Leviticus. My community group and I are studying the book of Jude. Another community group had studied it before us, and they recommended it to us. And we're finding so much truth in this very short book of the Bible. In fact, sometimes I flipped through the Bible and skipped over it without even knowing it. The book of Jude is in the back of the Bible right before the book of Revelation. But there's so much wisdom in that short book, a book that doesn't even have a chapter. It only has verses. All Scripture there's no way to know about the salvation history of our salvation without going to the book of Exodus and reading and seeing how God rescued his people from bondage and slavery and how in the same way God continues to rescue people today from slavery to sin. All scripture is God-breathed. When we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, it's impossible to understand the depth of what that means, how much Jesus Christ reverses the curse of sin if we don't go to the prophets like Isaiah that prophesy and say, this is the child that is born to us. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulder and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. All scripture is God-breathed. There's no way for us to understand that God is a God who cares about us, cares about our emotions, doesn't want us to hide our lament and our grief without going to the pages of the Psalms that say, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? All scripture is God-breathed. And it's going to be very easy for us, especially in our society, even as Christians, there's a way that we approach Scripture that doesn't seem to affirm that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? We have adjectives that we put in front of certain parts of Scripture that are helpful for certain types of explanations but are not helpful in other places. For example, there are books that we call old and there are books that we call new. It's very easy to say, hey, you know what? I'm a New Testament Christian. And because I'm a New Testament Christian, the only books that speak to my salvation or that I should be reading 
are the books that talk very directly about who Jesus is. And Paul's caution to us is, old does not mean not useful. Old does not mean not necessary. Yes, these texts are ancient and these texts go all the way back, but all of these scriptures are necessary for us and are breathed out by God. So all scripture is God-breathed. And so the challenge for us today, I want you to think about a scripture that you keep skipping over in your Bible reading, and maybe give that book a try. And try to see that because all scripture is God-breathed, what Paul is saying to us here is that every single book, every story, every chapter, some may seem more obvious than others, but everything points to Jesus. We can find Jesus on every page of Scripture. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can slow down and read the books that are hard to read because our encouragement to being devoted to the Word says we can do it because of the witnesses who bring the Word to us, but also because the source is good. The source of all of Scripture is good. So all Scripture is good for us. And then the third thing, the third reason I believe from this passage Paul gives that we can be devoted to the word of God in a world that com uh, continually seems to not want to devote itself to scripture is the effective use of the word of God or what some people would call its utility. There's a real benefit of like you can use scripture in a way that is beneficial for our lives, making us more effective, making us actually look like the Christ that we are called to emulate. And so Paul talks about four things, four effective uses of Scripture. The first one is teaching. The second one is reproof or rebuking. The third one is correcting. And the fourth one is training in righteousness. So that's verse 16. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So for teaching, right? Think about the body of beliefs that we as Christians believe. We believe in one God, right? We, we, we talked about it this morning. We recited those creeds that say what we believe. We believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in three persons. All of that can be found in Scripture, and you can teach that from Scripture. We believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, born of the Virgin Mary. You go to the Scriptures and you see the narratives. All these Scriptures not only give us these stories, but they give us all these theological truths that we believe, things that Christians have believed for generations and for centuries that we base our faith on. So Paul says scripture is useful for that kind of teaching. Teaching that we can impart to our children. Teaching that we can share with those who are new to the faith. Teaching that we can cast in front of people and say, here is this system of beliefs that point to a God who is merciful, a God who is good and loves us so much that he gave his son for us. So scripture is useful for teaching, proclaiming these beliefs, and proclaiming the truth. 
But he also says scripture is good for reproof or rebuking, right? Sometimes you need a little bit of a rebuke from scripture, right? Something that says to you, you, what you're doing is not right, or there's something about this place that you're in that's not correct. And so rebuking is where that comes in. And none of us gladly welcome rebuke unless the Holy Spirit is perfectly at work in our lives to say that we need that rebuke because we are sinful human beings. We fall from time to time. And so it's important for us to find the authoritative counsel of somebody who can show us and warn us of the faults that they find in us. Rebuking. And scripture is a place where we can find the source for rebuking. But remember, scripture is also a place that has shown us how to rebuke. All the time in scripture, scripture tells us that we should rebuke and we should speak truth but we should do so with love. Or when we're correcting people, we should be careful that we don't also fall into the same sin that we're trying to correct. Or scripture tells us when we're rebuking that we should do so with the mercy of God in our minds. So rebuking is good, but scripture also shows us that there's a way to rebuke people and there's a way that God has called us to rebuke people so that we're able to correct and bring them back to a place where we, they can see that this is the problem with the way they are living. Here's an example that um, I've been thinking about. So both for like rebuking and the next one, which is correcting. So imagine for those who wear glasses or for those who've taken somebody to a hospital or to a doctor to go and get your eyes examined, right? When a doctor, an eye doctor, I see Augustine in the back right there, shout out to you, is trying to find out what's wrong. They have this big uh, machine. What's it called? Help me out. Poropter. So they have, a, and, and they, they do different things with it to try to figure out like what's exactly wrong. How does this person's eyesight need to be corrected? How do we find the fault or fi find, find what's happening in this person's eyes so that we can prescribe something that can correct what's happening, right? So that's exactly what rebuke is like in scripture. It's saying, hey, there's something that is off. There's something that's not the way that it's supposed to be. And we're using this machine to try to find out what that is. Find out what that is. But you see, if an eye doctor only does that and says, you know what, here's what's wrong. Thank you very much for coming through. Uh, I'll see you whenever I see you next. We would be suspect of like that person's practice, right? If you find something that needs correcting, shouldn't you also prescribe something for me so that I can go and get that and have that fix my eyesight? And that's what the next piece is, correcting, correcting. So it's not enough for us to just use scripture in a way that says, here's what needs correcting. And I think a lot of times in our world, the reason people don't like scripture is because that's where a lot of Christians stop. We tell people, here's what needs correcting in your life, in the world, and we just stop there. We don't go ahead and share with people, and here's the solution that God provides for us in Scripture. Here's the life that God calls you to live. 
Here's the way God wants you to practice sexuality that's faithful to his design. Here's the way that God wants you to treat your finances that's faithful and that can actually bring about the coming of the kingdom of God. We only present the one side that identifies fault without also looking to the other side that says, and here's the correction. But that's what scripture does. Paul says that scripture is not just about reproof and rebuking, it's also about correcting. And that's where you can find the completeness of the scriptures that God has given us. Always looking to find what needs correcting in this world, but also presenting through scripture exactly what God has provided for us that is the correct way of living. So rebuke, rebuke is like a foropter. Correcting is like prescribing a pair of glasses. And as Christians, we are called to do both together. Anytime we try to do one without the other, give the cure, give the, the, the thing that's gonna fix it without diagnosing the problem, or diagnose the problem, but never ever get to the place where we're actually suggesting, hey, this is what we feel is a cure. This is what scripture says is a cure. It's ineffective. So rebuke, find out where the fault is, like a foropter, but also correcting, prescribing the glasses that will actually help the person to see and also help to correct what might be off with that vision. And then finally, the last thing that Paul gives as a use for Scripture is training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. So if all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, reproof, correcting, the last one he gives is training in righteousness. And the concept of the word and the verbs that he uses here are like thinking about training a child. Right? Think about training a child. A lot of times when you're training a child, you have to say things over and over and over again until the child actually gets it. You have to be patient with that child. Walk with that child. Training in righteousness. And so Paul outlines this use of scripture as a guide that will help us to train people who are new to faith and people who have been in the faith for a long time into the righteousness of God but it's a training that requires discipline and patience and saying things over and over again until they land and until people understand and accept them. So scripture is useful for that kind of training, training and righteousness. And when we use scripture these ways, Paul tells us that there is something that actually happens. There are things that happen when scripture is used to teach and to rebuke, and to correct, and to train in righteousness. And the thing that happens is that, number one, we as Christians are presented complete. That's one thing that he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. We're presented complete. We're not complete when we leave rebuking out of what we do together as a church. We're not complete if we're not providing correction and good, sound teaching and training up in righteousness. And when you do all of those things, Paul says, we're presented complete in Jesus Christ, but we're also presented in a way where we are equipped 
for the work that God has called us to do. We're equipped for the work that God has called us to do. For our theme this year, we've been talking about proclaiming the gospel through a spirit-filled life of wholeness and love. A spirit-filled life of wholeness and love. It's impossible for us to get that spirit-filled life without scripture being a very foundational part of what we do as a church. And again, it's very tempting because our culture will tell us in so many different ways that the scriptures are not as important to living a life that is pleasing to God. Our culture will tell us in so many ways that scripture doesn't matter anymore. That scripture is not authoritative anymore. But as Christians, as Christians who believe in Jesus Christ, we know we can be devoted to the words of Scripture because we know the people who have shared it with us. We know the source, God himself, who has given us all of Scripture. And we look at our lives and we see those places where it's like, man, Scripture has been so useful in teaching me and rebuking me, and correcting me, and in training me up for righteousness. We see the proof in our lives that Scripture is authoritative. Now, we also know that Scripture has been given to us because it testifies to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So when we think of faithful witnesses who have shared the gospel with us and who have lived it out for us to see, we know that Jesus Christ is the ultimate witness who can be trusted. We can trust Jesus as he brings the word of God down to earth and shows us how it is to live by the truth of scripture. We can trust Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the word at the beginning. We can trust Jesus Christ because we see how when we follow Jesus Christ, our lives are taught in the right way. There's things that we do that are rebuked in the right way. But when we follow Jesus, we don't stop at rebuke. Jesus gives us the way that is corrective so that we can change what is wrong with our eyesight. And Jesus trains us up in righteousness with patience, with love, with grace, so that we can become more and more like him. So we can say with confidence that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, reproof, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that all of us in here may be complete and equipped for every good work. So, how should we live this out as we go out this week? I want to suggest three things. These are not exhaustive. You can think of things on your own or pray and ask God to show you. But here are three things I want to suggest. The person that you thought of at the beginning of the service, consider writing them a note or giving them a call or sending them a text just to appreciate them for being a faithful witness to the scriptures in your life, for showing you what it looks like to be devoted to the word of God in both word and deed. That's one thing. Consider sending a message to that person that you thought of at the beginning to just encourage them and let them know that God used them in a mighty way in your life. Secondly, uh, let's do some uh, examination. 
What books of the Bible do you skip over? What are the books of the Bible that you feel like, ah, you know, some scriptures are good for, for teaching and all that stuff? Identify those things and ask, you know, some good examination questions like why? Why do I skip over these books? For me, I don't like Leviticus because it's not exactly a page turner, right? There's lots of lists, but it's useful. It's useful. So just ask yourself, what are the books that I skip over? Why do I skip over them? And maybe make a commitment to at some point this year, engage some of those books of the Bible and see with this big picture of every book and all scripture being inspired by God, how Jesus and the story of Jesus continues on every page of scripture. And then the last thing is that a lot of this stuff about teaching, reproof, correcting, training, all of that happens within the context of community, right? Without a community that is holding you accountable where these things are being taught, um, where these things are being shaped and you are giving people access and you're saying, hey guys, if I fall, I want you to rebuke me. Now do it gently, do it with mercy, do it with kindness, but please check me out and let me know places where I'm not living like Christ. Or if there's things that you see that need correcting, tell me. So just think about like who that community is for you. It could be a group of two or three people that you have constantly in your life who are keeping you accountable. It could be a community group. It could be this space right here on Sunday mornings, just a place that you can start engaging on a more regular basis so that the uses of Scripture, where we teach and we rebuke and admonish and we correct and we train up for righteousness, can be happening regularly. So those are three things that we can do this week to show that we stand under the authority of Scripture, and that scripture has given us faithful witnesses that we can believe, we can trust the source of scripture, and we can trust that the uses for scripture are good for us. Jesus reminds us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And so, as we stay and remain devoted to the word, know, church, that God is with you, the Lord is with you, he has promised to help you along in this journey as we seek to become equipped for every good work and seek to see salvation fulfill its work in our lives. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we consider this message. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we do not deserve the people that you have placed in our lives as gifts, people who show us the gospel in their preaching and teaching, but also with their actions. Lord, you are the source of all good things, and you tell us that every page of Scripture, from the book of Genesis to Revelation, is valuable. It shows us redemptive history. It shows us what Jesus Christ is doing for our salvation. Father, thank you for giving us scripture. I pray that we would submit to its authority in our lives and its authority in our world, even in a world that is increasingly moving away from the authority of scripture. 
Father, I pray that you would help us to become a community where these things are happening on a regular basis and in such gracious ways, the teaching and proclaiming of truth, the rebuking and authoritative counsel, warning us, finding that fault, but not just finding fault, but correcting, providing solutions to fix the issue, recovering and restoring what is lost, and training for righteousness that is patient, that is kind, and that is effective. God, thank you for City of Refuge, and I pray that through our church, your gospel will go out to the entire world, and that your glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. May we never move out to share the gospel without leaning on the authority of scripture in our lives. Help us to read scripture often, to become familiar with it, to become familiar with the stories so that we can effectively communicate the gospel, but also just be faithful witnesses to our world. Thank you for Jesus who continues to be the most faithful witness and who is trustworthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.